Hello there, children, and welcome to another episode. I happen to be your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. <laughs> and I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And this, and this is, is my, my spooky, spooky gay family. family. Hey, Sam Baxter. <laughs> Hi, Pussy Miles. <laughs> What's new with you? Absolutely nothing. What's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say absolutely nothing. It's like there's just constantly always like some silly thing happening. Uh, you know, these days it's not it's not even anything big. It's just like stupid little nonsense. Uh, like not sleeping all week because <laughs> you've been watching The Staircase again. <laughs> <laughs> I was really like... After our conversation last week about the, the staircase, I just, like, have not been able to stop thinking about it. I'm sorry? Don't be, because I'm really enjoying it. But it's like, I'm watching the entirety of the Netflix series again, like mm-hmm. the docuseries. Um, and it's just as infuriating the second time, <laughs> because it's like, I, I was... I've been listening to a lot of people talk about it. And one of the common threads is that people always say they're like, it's such a good series because it's like, you literally go from like one episode being like, he did it to the next episode being like, okay, he didn't do it. And then the next episode you're like, yeah, he definitely did it. And then the next episode you're like, but this, this thing. And then it's like, you, you do that for like 13 episodes. Yeah. (laughs) And I've been rewatching it like crazy. I have, I've been listening to, like any podcast I could find about Michael Peterson, I have listened to, which, by the way, is not a good idea. Like, and this is coming from someone who who runs a not top tier podcast. <laughs> if you go delving into the not top tier podcasts about a topic you're very passionate about, be prepared to come away feeling very frustrated. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Um, I have actually. I did that last year when we did Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, mm. I was kind of looking for anything that I could, and there there was a surprising lack of anything but the Wikipedia page. <laughs> so like, I listened to an audiobook, and then I'm like, you know what? I'll listen to a couple podcasts, see what <laughs> see what they think. And and there were like one or two of them where it was like, I could barely hear the person. <laughs> But it's not even just that. Like, I, I'm i actually more forgiving of, like, audio issues in a podcast than I am of, like, straight people in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to David, like, I was listening to a bunch of these these podcasts. I won't name I won't name any of them because uh, I think that would be rude. But it's like. Obviously, true crime is a, a really popular topic and. A lot of different kinds of people like to talk about it, Mm -hmm. but I listened to several 
podcast just by searching for michael peterson on apple podcasts it's Mm -hmm. like a bunch of different podcasts came up that were hosted by like some assemblage of people that consisted of straight men and straight women Mm -hmm. where it would be like at least one of each in in every podcast and i just was like i was really kind of put off by it and i know that like (laughs) That's a really terrible thing to say on the surface, but it it was just like, it was shocking to me how little I identified with the people in those podcasts. Because I love podcasts. I listen to all kinds of podcasts. I listen to My Favorite Murder. I listen to Life is Short with, with Justin Long, Justin and Christian Long. I listen to... Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I listened to uh, Office Ladies with Jenna Fisher and uh, Angela Kinsey. I, li- I, I like so many different kinds of people in the mm-hmm. in the podcasts that I listen to. But I guess one of the things that becomes more aware when you start delving into these like deeper <laughs> the deeper. Uh, ranks of the the podcast world is that like what makes these podcasts entertaining is often not the content it's the people you're listening to and i encountered a lot of people that i was like wow i'm really not enjoying listening to this conversation i just think it's <laughs> hilarious that we're talking about this. why i think i think this is a fair <laughs> listen we might not be the most successful podcast, but I think we put out a really good show. And I'm just going to say it. I think our show is 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 definitely a quality show. I think, generally speaking, we are likable people. And again, I'm not saying that these are bad podcasts. I am saying that they are not my cup of tea. That's fair. I'll, I'll, t- I'll M- agree with that. That's mostly fine. because they're straight people. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know that I'm going to have to clarify that for someone. I'm joking. But it does, there is kind of a difference in the style of conversation. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, I was listening to one episode and they were like, they're talking about Michael Peterson. And then all of a sudden we were talking about like sports teams. And I was like, how the fuck did we get here? Like, <laughs> I, I was not here for this conversation we're gonna go off on somebody going on a tangent it's not that it's a tangent (laughs) it's that it is not an entertaining tangent because basically it was like they were talking tangent right now but (laughs) but this is an entertaining tangent uh they were talking about michael peterson and then they were discussing the fact that he went to unc whichever unc and then they were like go tar heels and then they like start talking about like the sports teams they liked and didn't like and who likes who and who doesn't like who and why people will like and i was like i really don't give a shit like i truly from the deepest part of my person do not care about this conversation it was the first time i've ever been listening to a podcast and like fast forwarded through the conversation to get like because i like podcasts that go on tangents Mm -hmm. but i did not like that tangent and i was like it couldn't have been farther from what i went there for you know what i mean because you open a you open a podcast that's called my spooky gay family you know we're gonna talk about gay shit so like even if the topic is michael peterson we're gonna talk about gay shit well, I mean, anyone who talks about Michael Pierce is going to talk about gay shit. But um, 
you know what I mean? Yeah. I, no, I, when I, I, I when you open these podcasts that don't seem particularly specifically branded and it's like I just came here to talk about true crime I really don't care about the Tar Heels you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I don't know that was my take on it I just was like I I was not having it it was not my cup of tea that's that's fair I mean you're you're entitled to that opinion have you ever had that when you're like listening to something and you're like oh please just go back to the topic (laughs) you're like yes our our podcast (laughs) it's happened to me with audiobooks Really? On occasion, I was... <laughs> like the actor went rogue? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the author goes rogue and like does mm. something completely extraneous to the plot. And I'm sitting here going like, can we get back to like, can we get back to what we were talking about? <laughs> like, were you reading The Lord of the Rings? No. <laughs> <laughs> Though Tolkien is really bad at that. Yes. He's the only person in the world who goes on more tangents than we do. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Sam and Frodo walked 10 feet. Now let me give you the entire history of Numenor. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I actually, um, I downloaded, I have never read the Silmarillion because Mm. no one should subject themselves to the Silmarillion. That's the annex, right? It's, it's essentially, it's, it's, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. It's a history book for Middle Earth is Mm. essentially what it is. And, like, I downloaded it as an audiobook because I'm sitting here going, like, you know, I go on long car rides, like, this will be good. Like, I'll, I'll pick up the bare basics and I don't have to sit there with this giant tome of a book. Yeah. And you woke up in a ditch. No. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the thing. It's like, he, he was talking about one thing and then we skipped to something completely different. And just every 10 minutes, it was just this long rant about something else that had no bearing on what we were talking about before. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> it's like J.R.R. I love you, but why? <laughs> like, why am I reading about this for literally no reason? <laughs> Do you know what J.R.R. stands for? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't either. I just assumed that was his name. I'm sure that that like revokes my nerd card, but I don't. I don't know what J.R.R. stands for. I don't know. Listen, I'm not revoking. Your I can nerd card absolutely I guarantee know. you that Sarah does, but I do not. <laughs> yeah, I do not know what J.R.R. stands for. But Michael Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> we went on a tangent from the tangent. Um, yeah, I I have been like focusing a lot on Michael Peterson this week because it, I know we talked about this. At, a great length last week but i've just been so interested in in the whole thing it it's really kind of insane and rewatching the series which i did not do before we did the the episode last week mm-hmm. certain things are jumping out at me now that i'm revisiting them and having done like a deep internet dive into yeah. the case of michael peterson and it's like wow there was a lot of shit that got fucked up in this trial Yes, there was. Like a lot of shit. First of all, Deborah Radish is a crazy person. <laughs> They're like, are you aware that something very similar happened to someone where they were accused of killing their wife in Canada? And uh, it turned out, and everyone said it was impossible that those wounds were caused by a fall. And then it turned out that the wounds were caused by a fall. And she was like, I've heard of the case. Like she was being very like, passive would not admit that it was possible that she had made a mistake and then there was someone who was called like 
I forget what it was. I forget what it was. It was like an injury mechanics, uh, something or other. Okay. Where it's like they can calculate using math and science mm-hmm. the effect that a fall w- of a certain type would have on a person. Like if if you're five foot two and you fall at an an arch of thirty two inches at and hit something that is this. Uh, you know, density and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 like what that would do to your body okay. and how you could expect to land from something like that and how that landing would affect your body. Like really, truly insane. And it's so much shit that like, I must've like, I'm like, did I fall asleep the first time I watched this? How did I not, how did I miss this? And it really, you know, I know we made a, a, a strong case for the owl theory last week but i mean i don't know that we made a strong case for it we certainly in our own brains we made a strong case for the owl theory we we certainly uh we certainly stood our ground on the owl theory is what i mean to say but um in watching it back i was like you know the owl theory i'm still not convinced that the owl theory is impossible but even if you looked at me and said the owl theory is crazy and so are you um (laughs) Which people have. So. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of her falling, now knowing what was presented by the injury mechanics, whatever his name was, uh, I'm like, wow, she. Re-, and not only that, but the, especially the testimony of their blood expert, the defense's blood expert, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Lee. Yeah. I was like, she could have died from a fall on the stairs. Like, it's possible. It is absolutely possible that she could have died from a fall on the stairs, especially if she was intoxicated, which we know she was. I don't know. Also, I was listening, because I was listening to this podcast, and again, I won't say the name of it, but they were saying that, like, you're listening to these podcasts, and it's like, Every the weird thing about this case in particular is that everyone's kind of operating with a different set of information. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of a common thread for this one is everybody's got like slightly different facts. Slightly different or completely different. Yeah. Because I was listening to this one podcast and they were saying that, you know, it that the medical examiner concluded that the, that she was not inebriated at all, that she had not taken any Valium, that she had not had any alcohol bah, 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 bah. and I was like I don't think that's true everywhere I've read states that her there was alcohol and Valium in her system yep and I'm like this is why people get so fucking confused and this is why there's so many differing opinions because now we live in an age where if you go on Google you can find literally anything you want Anything. You could find someone being like, Mars is made of assholes. And it's like, there's someone out there who believes it. Because they read it online. (laughs) (laughs) And you're staring at me like, I have ten heads. Am I wrong? I'm like, it's just so crazy to me that we can exist in a world where, like, there are no common facts anymore. Yeah, no, the... I don't want to say fake news. But like, I know. <laughs> it's not fake news. The misinformation. It's misinformation. That is available yeah. and unregulated and just 
tearing this world apart. (laughs) I know. It's unbelievable. And then you get into the idea of like, well, how would you regulate it? And it's like, well. You can't regulate it. You can't. And that's what it comes down to. What it comes down to is you need to like teach critical thinking in schools again. Basically, yeah. And this generation's fucked because we never learned it. (laughs) Exactly. And then on top of it. Uh, you know, I not not to be too pointed or to get too political, but I do think that a not all, but a lot of journalism is so heavily biased now in one direction or the other that it's hard to find unbiased facts. A- at least for me, it's like we used to have we used to be able to say, "Oh, I found this on MSN." Mm-hmm. Oh, I found this on. The Independent. Oh, I found this on BBC. Oh, I found yeah. this on such and such. Al Jazeera. It's like, those were, that was a way of being like, oh, these are trusted sources and I can I can be confident that these facts are accurate. And I don't always feel that way anymore. No, I very rarely feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> because you go to all five of the places I just mentioned and they all have different facts or or numbers. And it, it's such a strange feeling to be living in an, in a world that like nobody knows what What's the, going the on. core truth is yeah, of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> welcome back to my spooky gay family, kids. Uh, we're very excited to be back this week. We are not doing a true crime episode this week, although we do have a lot more true crime planned for 2021, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. This episode is not a true crime episode. Uh, this is actually, uh, I'm sad to say, our final episode. <laughs> Just kidding. April Fool's. It's April Fool's Day. This is not our final episode. <laughs> It is. Uh, I'm I said just, that after saying we had more episodes planned. Listen, <laughs> maybe that was a red herring, <laughs> like communism. <laughs> communism was just a red herring. Uh, yes, this is obviously not our final episode. It is April Fool's Day. Happy April Fool's! I hope you all have been mercilessly <laughs> tormenting the people around you. <laughs> we certainly have. I know that. I know that. I. Uh, I am infamous for being a bit of a prankster yes you are uh obviously not a good one based on the one i displayed here but (laughs) i i do it i do enjoy a prank do you like pranking people i don't i don't know that i enjoy it i i i like seeing the results of a prank but i don't think i usually want to be involved in it (laughs) i um I pulled one really good prank one time, and I decided to never pull a prank again because I would never. You would top never it. top it. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, the last job that I had, one of the um, one of the supervisors had a doorbell that they, they, that they kept by their office door because their secretary was outside. So if they needed them, they would press the button and they would come in. But it had different sound effects. You could change it. (laughs) So the supervisor went away for a week. So we borrowed the doorbell. (laughs) And we put it in one of my coworkers' cubicles, very on the softest setting that we could possibly put it on. And we would just ring the bell randomly. She thought she was going insane. 
<laughs> because she would look at me like, does no one else hear that? Like, <laughs> we hid it behind a filing cabinet in her cubicle like she never found it. And then we finally, we kept it going after, for the, super- after the supervisor came back. We did this for like three weeks until one of the up- uppity ups went, you can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like she's made an appointment with a doctor like you can't oh, keep no. doing this. <laughs> but yeah no i'm never going to top that so yeah i don't think you can so that i don't one. prank people anymore that's that is a very good prank that's like office level uh <laughs> pranks that's like did you ever see the the cut scene from the office when they prank dwight by releasing a cat in the office no it's when he like becomes the temporary a regional manager and this cat is just like wandering the office doing things mm-hmm. but it's like planned in such a way that like like it always crosses in the same direction so it looks like it never comes back it would they train the cat to like go up into the ceiling and go back down and then cross <laughs> the door again and so dwight keeps seeing the same cat like go across <laughs> his door frame and he's like what the fuck is this <laughs> that that's basically what you did to your your poor co-worker <laughs> I, uh, I, my pranks are not nearly that complex. The best prank I think I ever did was <laughs> back when I still lived, back when Bob, Kevin, and I still lived in dad's house. One night, Bob had gotten out of bed to go use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I saw that his door was open and that he had gone to the bathroom. So I went into, he had left all the lights off. Mm-hmm. I went into his room <laughs> and his bed was pressed up against the wall so i like got in his bed covered myself with the blanket and like pressed myself up against the wall so that like i was it was very difficult to like he could have easily gotten in the bed and Mm -hmm. not bumped into me or anything Mm -hmm. and so he came back from the bathroom he closed the door he got in bed (laughs) and like covered himself with the blanket and i could feel that he like realized something was wrong and so i just like threw the covers off and went and he lost his mind i have never seen bob i mean can you blame him no (laughs) and then he like turned the light on and i'm dying laughing (laughs) And he was like, I thought I felt something in the bed. <laughs> it was like my favorite prank. One of my favorite pranks I've ever done. It's it, a good one. It was a good I was very proud of myself. I also, I'm infamous. I could easily start one of those like TikToks. You know, those like compilations where it's like someone every day for a year, like scaring their dad. Mm-hmm. I could do that to Bob. Yeah. Bob used to, again, when I lived in dad's house with Bob and Kevin, Anytime Bob went out, mm-hmm. I would always manage to know when Bob was coming in the door. And you know how at the top of the stairs, there's like there's like the landing, then a short set of stairs to the main floor, mm-hmm. and there's a wall there. Yeah. So you can't see around the wall. Anytime Bob was coming up the main stairs from the door, I would just jump out and be like, and, and Bob would always get scared. He's probably listening to this right now, wanting to fucking kill me, even for mentioning it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I could I could easily make one of those videos for Bob. <laughs> I'm going to turn Bob into a TikTok star. <laughs> and he'll just love that. Oh, I'm sure. 
I'm sure. But like I said, kids, it is uh, April Fool's Day, and we are very excited to be back with another episode for all of you. Please also, by the way, if you have pranks that you have successfully pulled off, uh, share them with us. Even better, plus uh, extra, extra credit for videos. (laughs) <laughs> we we will send extra credit for taped pranks. Um, please send us your pranks. We want to, desperately to hear them. And we will even read them on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So this week, it is obviously April Fool's Day. And this is my spooky gay family. So we thought we would do the... Oh, I was going to say the only, but it's not even true. Uh, the most famous... April Fool's Day horror movie. (laughs) April Fool's Day. Yes, titled aptly. (laughs) Titled quite aptly. It is very appropriate. We are going to be discussing the 1986 quote-unquote horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) April Fool's Day. Uh, This is, I, I don't want to call this a classic. I don't think that's fair. It's kind of a cult movie. Yeah, it's it's definitely a cult movie. That said, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it's a cult movie that I particularly like, but um, <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> this movie, like I said, came out in 1986. It was directed by Fred Walton, and it was written by Danilo Bach. Uh, and it stars Deborah Foreman, Griffin O'Neill, Clayton Rohner, and uh, also... You'll be surprised to hear, uh, starred Amy Steele, who is arguably the most recognizable person in this movie. Yes, of Friday the 13th, part two. Friday the 13th, part two, she played... Ginny. Ginny. Uh, And I am... She was the only person that I at first glance recognized. Yeah, no, she's the only person that I recognized either. And you know what's funny? I should have recognized... Uh, what's his name? Ken Olant? <laughs> Considering the rant I went on against him in <laughs> Leprechaun. <laughs> Ken Olant plays Rob in this movie yeah. al- alongside uh, Amy Steele's uh, Kit. Kit, yeah. And I, the, the funniest part about this to me is that I wrote Almost the exact same note for this movie that I wrote for Leprechaun and still did not immediately put it together. I was like, wow, they got a Kevin Bacon lookalike, like Kevin Bacon light for April Fool's Day. And I was like, that is almost exactly what I said about him in Leprechaun. (laughs) Yes, it is. To be fair, though, Mm -hmm. I didn't hate him as much in this movie as I did in Leprechaun, which makes me characters a bit more likable in this one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like he's less offensive. Yeah, uh, I would say the the writing is probably better yeah. on on April Fool's Day, which is kind of shocking if I'm being honest. But um, yeah, I I didn't despise him with a fiery <laughs> passion the way that I did in Leprechaun. I will still say once I realized who it was, I wasn't terribly excited to see him. <laughs> First of all. He's got a mullet. And I was like, this is, this is, 
too much. I know it's 1986, but good goddamn, even the women have mullets in this fucking movie. I was like, there is nothing. <laughs> the style in this movie yeah. is just unparalleled by any movie that has ever been made by any person. There were some aesthetic choices, yes. And they were not pleasant. <laughs> by any means. Uh, th- that said, like I said, we're going to jump into this movie today. It It is starring some familiar faces. I, I guess a, a general summary for this movie is that a group of college friends go to spend a weekend? Yeah. A weekend at their friend Muffy's house. <laughs> Which is on a private island. Which is on a private island that they must boat to. And over the course of the weekend, uh, the friends start to disappear mm-hmm. or become injured or uh, fucking murdered. <laughs> and everyone begins to fight for their lives amongst the uh, fact that it is April Fool's Day and they are constantly playing tricks on each other. Yes. That is my summary for yeah, no, April Fool's Day. That's accurate. Um, so why don't we, why don't we, uh, jump in, shall we? Sounds good. Um, some people, Mm -hmm. and I, I won't say who, but some people would describe this as a horror comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Would you? I, it's hard because you don't actually know if the funny is intentional. Like, it could be, but I tend to lean toward it not being intentional, or at least it doesn't feel like it's intentional. Yeah, it does not feel intentional to me. Although, I mean, I could see there being elements of it. I mean, there are certainly, there are characters who lean towards humorous, like we have Chaz is the comedian, and we have Archie, who is kind of the bumbling idiot. Yeah. Um... And who's the other one that I'm thinking of? The cousin. Oh, uh, Skip. Skip uh, kind of ends up in the the humorous category, I would say. Uh, and I, I suppose that there is an element of comedy that we're supposed to assume is intentional because it is, a, I mean, it's a movie about April Fool's Day. So it is about a bunch of people who are pranking each other for the entire movie. Yes. So it's like... I guess it qualifies as an intentional comedy on some level. I don't know if I would say that most of the comedy is intentional. Yeah, no, it it feels like it's it's playing it straight, so to speak. So, so to speak. So, yeah, no, like, <clears throat> I think it could be described as a horror comedy, but I don't think that that's what it was intended to be described as. I mean, I agree with that. And even in the first couple moments of the movie, you know, the first thing we see is Nikki on the yeah. dock waiting for the boat or the, I guess the ferry mm-hmm. or whatever it is ferry, that's taking yeah. them to uh, this private island. And she's giving this, uh, I-, I said it, it remind it's a monologue to the camera because Chaz is filming them all or yeah. Skip. I can't remember who's doing I it. I think it's Chaz. <clears throat> Someone has a, a small video camera. 
surprisingly small, if I'm being honest, for 1986. Yeah. And um, it, he is filming them, and she is talking directly to the camera, and she gives what I described as a Julie Brown-esque monologue <laughs> to the camera. Julie Brown from uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. When she, when she's like, my goal is to become a veterinarian because I love children. Yeah. Like like that kind of a monologue. <laughs> and it at first it's unclear what, like, it's like, is this person actually supposed to be dumb? Right now I'm in my fourth, <laughs> my right now I'm in my fourth year as a freshman at UCLA. It's like th- <laughs> that kind of, that, kind of moment yeah and then and it, it's basically her being like i'm a good girl i do this bah, 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 bah. and then she finishes it with and i put out on the first date april fools <clears throat> and it's like oh okay she was kidding the whole time yeah and again then we get that's kind of what brings us back to like yes there is definitely some intentional comedy and i will say nikki is one of the characters i like more in this movie yeah no nikki is fun she is fun. I imagine that you liked her for some other reasons. But <laughs> I I only had eyes for Amy Steele in this one. Really? So, yeah. I'm surprised. Why? Because frankly, I thought that Nikki was more attractive than Amy Steele. I think Amy Steele is a very attractive person, but I have had a crush on Amy Steele since I was about 14. <laughs> so so I'm always going to I'm always going to pick Amy. I wonder if she's tall. Do you think she's tall? I don't know. She looks tall. She does look a little tall. I think it's the flat hair. (laughs) She has such flat, straight hair that it just like, it makes her look longer. Like Morticia Adams. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. She's got kind of a blonde Morticia Adams moment happening. Um, But I mean, I like Amy Steele. I thought Nikki was uh, really funny. Probably the best actor in the movie, if I'm being honest. That's fair. I can tell you who was not the best actor in the movie. <laughs> was it Ken Olant? <clears throat> Besides Ken Olant. <laughs> I will say, uh, what's her name? Deborah Foreman, oh, who played uh, Muffy? Muffy. Yes. And Buffy. Yes. There are several Uffies in, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this movie. And I... I just did not care for Muffy at all. First of all, how the fuck am I supposed to take anything in this movie seriously when they're always like, oh, we're going to Muffy's house. (laughs) And it's like, don't, don't set me up for this. I mean, I do think that that's one of the intentional comedy moments is you're kind of supposed to think it's ridiculous because all all of these kids are like obscenely wealthy or privileged in some way. So you're kind of supposed to find them a bit ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Did you have a favorite besides Amy Steele? <laughs> um, I think Nikki is probably my favorite character. Mm. Amy Steele is my favorite of the the actors, but Nikki's probably my favorite character in the movie. I did like Nikki. I think she's definitely my one of my top like seven. Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> obviously a joke since there are only like seven of them. Uh. I would I would say she's probably in my top two or three. Mm-hmm. I also surprisingly liked Skip. Yeah, I no, he did a, he did a pretty good job. He was like fun and and kind of entertaining and and added a lot of levity to a lot of the situations mm-hmm. for me. I thought Chaz was like 
fine. I didn't love him. I was kind of surprised, if I'm being honest, by the relationship between Archie and Skip. (laughs) Because it's like, they're always kind of making gay jokes. Yeah. But in a strangely inoffensive way. (laughs) Yeah, no, jokes that should have, like, hit me like, well, fuck you didn't in this movie for some reason. They really didn't. I kind of found them endearing. They reminded me of jokes that, like, I used to make when I was in college with, like, Adam. Mm -hmm. Adam and I would always make, like, gay relationship jokes where we'd be like, oh, this is my old ball and chain. And it's like, (laughs) that that was kind of the way their relationship was. Even, and I mean, Archie did it with Chaz, too. Yeah. Which kind of makes you wonder about Archie. Archie. But um, I... (laughs) I never was really offended by any of the quote-unquote gay humor in this movie, which is very uncommon for the 80s. <laughs> yes. Like, like strangely uncommon. Because it's it's obviously still there. I think it's probably, to some extent, something that was almost expected in a B-movie in the 80s. A little bit, yeah. But, like, was oddly inoffensive. Yeah, no, like, it just didn't, it wasn't, it was almost cute. Yeah. Like, it was it very was, friendly. They, they, they were just messing around. Yeah. Like, for, for some reason, it just didn't, it just didn't bother me at all. Yeah, it was, like, oddly platonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely platonic. <laughs> um, And what's even more strange about something like that is that, like, I felt like some of the lesbian talk... Mm-hmm. was more odd than the gay male talk. I mean, there was only kind of that one instance. Well, yes, but then there's other scenes where, like, two of the girls will be talking and you're like, are they about to kiss? Like, there was, <laughs> there was like, just a strange, like, sexual tension between all of the girls in this movie. Did you find that? No. Oh, I absolutely found it. When fucking Nikki is upstairs... And she's talking to Muffy mm-hmm. and she's and she's talking about how she wants Chaz. She's yeah. like, this weekend, just leave me Chaz. Before they get into the conversation about how she wants Chaz, there's like an odd moment where they're like giggling and kind of close to each other. And it's like, this this makes me feel funny in my tummy. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what like there's something there's some odd subtext happening here. <laughs> Like Muffy earned her name. That's how that's how I felt about it. <laughs> no, um, I didn't get that at all. I thought they they were all disappointingly heterosexual, to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't really I didn't really get that, if I'm being honest. There were some like oddly homoerotic moments between the girls, in my opinion. <laughs> I can't believe that you read that into it and I didn't. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't because there were moments where it was like very flirtatious, especially with Nikki and frankly, Muffy, but she's probably a a lesbian. I mean, look at her. First of all, let's just let's dissect the hair. (laughs) She looks like Paula Poundstone. Yeah, a little bit. Number one. Number two, her name is Muffy. (laughs) Is that a common lesbian name? It's Muff. She's got the word in her name. She might as well have been called Fingerbang. Like, <laughs> the, 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 Muffy was essentially a, a p- 
poster dyke. She was just the most lesbianic thing in this movie, with the possible exception of Nikki. Yeah, Nikki seemed kind of into everybody. Oh, easily. When she was reading that, like, not Cosmo quiz. Yeah. And she's like, name the things you haven't tried but you'd like to. Lesbianism. Fingering a woman. (laughs) Kissing a woman. (laughs) Licking a woman's forehead. Braiding a woman's hair. Anal. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Nikki, (laughs) what is this quiz? What are you reading? She's reading the village voice at this fucking party. And you're like, Nikki, get it together. You did like I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm going out on on a really weak bridge, okay, a weak limb. It's hanging on by the skin of its teeth and saying that Muffy is a diver, okay, <laughs> and not scuba. I'm surprised you didn't you didn't. I I really didn't like, and I'm usually sort of n- notorious for reading subtext into things that probably don't have it. But um, yeah, no, I didn't get that from this one. <laughs> I was kind of like, wow, these are all really heterosexual women. I'm really shocked that 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 didn't read because there's usually at least one. There's usually at least one that reads kind of dikey, and like, <laughs> <laughs> like that just didn't happen this time. I I, I don't know. See, to me, it was like they wrote it on the fucking walls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you walk up to Muffy's room and there's a whiteboard that just says, I am a lesbian. <laughs> Everywhere. There's just po- all the posters on her wall are like Elvira Kurt, <laughs> Leah Delaria. <laughs> and you're like, who are these gentlemen? <laughs> they have odd names. Um, I, by the way, love Leah Delaria and Elvira Kurt, so don't come for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, Muffy was uh, certainly living up to her name in okay. this movie, in my mind. I'm, sh- I'm honestly shocked to shit that you, uh, that you did not feel that way about her, because she's odd. This, yeah, but odd doesn't equal lesbian. Well, no, but that's not what I mean. It's like. I'm not saying that she is a lesbian because she's odd, but she definitely has that, like, you had a tough time in high school look. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I was kind of surprised when Nikki was talking to her and, like, you always get there first. Like, looking at this girl does not... <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> she, look she like does, she gets there first. She does there not first. look like she gets there first, you know? Like, it looks like they put a sidecar on the motorcycle <laughs> for her. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't read anything gay about her. I just I just read that she was kind of weird. The only thing about her that read as gay to me was the fact that she was a lesbian. <laughs> that was the only thing, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I suppose that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, can't you imagine her being someone's like uh forever uh forever a bachelorette Aunt Muffy? Like Aunt Muffy has always had a roommate, you know? That's how I that's how I imagine Muffy. <laughs> okay. Muffy also sounds like like a lesbian daddy term. <laughs> what? Doesn't it? Muffy like if you're someone's Muffy, that means you wear the pants in this relationship. See, I would expect the opposite. Well then what would you be? What would you call them? Daddy? 
I don't know because I find that word so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, 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 I just think that that is the most awkward sex thing that exists. Like, I mean, that's fair. It It is a bit odd, if I'm being honest. But uh, I just, I love the idea of a lesbian daddy being called a Muffy. I have seen people refer to women in lesbian relationships as daddies. Like, I have seen people do that. I mean, I have too. So I'm, I'm assuming saying, let's that start something so new. I'm assuming that that's the term. But see, I would expect Muffy to be the other partner. Okay, but then if if a Muffy is the is the I don't want to say the sub the yeah. the, the the less the femme. Yeah. Well, even then, or the the less dominant. Yeah. The less dominant partner. Then the more dominant partner has to be the Terry. <laughs> You're a Muffy and a Terry. <laughs> And that's just what it is now. You're a liar and a fraud. <laughs> You're a liar and a fraud. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going out on a limb here and saying that Muffy is officially my new, my new <laughs> lesbian daddy term. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's jump back into this, shall we? Um, Sounds good. Do you think that this is a feasible premise okay and by feasible i mean is it reasonable to think that a bunch of rich kids would go out on an island and prank each other all weekend and that it could lead to violence i mean i i think it's a feasible premise from a slasher movie perspective like it definitely tracks yeah the, it the works. beginning of a slasher movie it works which um, uh, the and the beginning goes on for quite some time. Yeah, in there's this one. A, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of dead air in, in this one. <laughs> but um, where it becomes less feasible is when we kind of get into the nitty gritty of things. Like there, there's a, there's a couple moments in in this movie that just seem highly improbable to me, especially once you know the ending. You mean in terms of like the kills? Or the way people are discussed. Like, what do you mean? Like, are we giving away the ending now? or? I mean, we're going to talk about it. So so the ending of this film, we find out that no one really got murdered, that it's all one giant prank that Muffy has pulled, and that the others were all in on it after Mm. they're attacked, quote unquote. Um, the only two that never get in on it are Until Amy Steele and Ken Olant. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but this, to me, is completely unfeasible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, completely unbelievable. Like, she just happens to have a friend who's a master prop maker who made, like, fake heads and, and all kinds of shit. Well, wasn't the like, whole thing that she's, like, an actress and she knew him? She, she's a good actress, but, like... I, I I don't know, man. Like there was there was a lot. I'm like, gonna go out on a limb and say things that are unfeasible are things like what's his name? I don't remember the character's name who gets hit by the ferry when they first get to the island. Oh, Buck. Buck, what in a matter of like several seconds is able to immaculately apply a prosthetic right. fucked up face yeah. in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like uh, I'm going to call bullshit on this one. And what's funny is at the time we had already had the prank with Skip where he mm-hmm. pretends to get stabbed in the stomach yeah. and all of that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is another prank. But then I was like, but how? 
But how? How would you apply a prosthetic in the water? How would you do it in a matter of seconds? How would you do it underwater? Like, yeah. how would you do it alone with no mirror? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are problems. No, but there's also like, there's the part where, where Amy Seal and Ken Olant are making out in the boathouse and Skip comes underneath the boathouse in a boat and Amy Steele just happens to look down and see him and we're supposed to believe like we're supposed to believe he was like hanging out in the boat for hours waiting to see if anybody came to the boathouse like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah there like, there are definitely some stretches of the imagination yeah so it's 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 one of those things where knowing the ending of the film watching it because I had seen this movie before I had not so watching it the second time, you start picking things apart, mm-hmm. and it's like none of this makes sense. <laughs> like, like none of this makes sense. <laughs> also, like, how did Hal get into that like complicated hanging thing in ten seconds? Like, <laughs> who helped him? Because like, <laughs> I don't know. And also, Hal is like the most bizarre character in this to me. Yeah, no, he's very strange. He's very strange because it's like he has that like weird pretension. Yeah, he's a real asshole. He's like kind of an asshole, like really uninteresting, very ugly, which is why when Muffy is like, I'm surprised you didn't go for Hal. I was like, yeah, I wonder why. Um, (laughs) And then there's the whole thing with him like grabbing the gun. So I thought that I thought that... uh, what's his name, Rob was going to be a red herring and that Hal was going to be the final dude with Amy Steele, with Kit. And then he like kind of just disappears for most of the rest of the movie. And it's like, people keep talking about him and they're like, oh, but everyone knows, like at one point Nikki says like, oh, everyone knows you're a redneck or everyone knows you're a, a, A I forget, a a hick, I think is the word. I think you're right. Uh, She's like, but everyone knows you're a hick. And I was like, he's been wearing a polo all weekend in the shower. Like, (laughs) I don't think he's a hick. And he's been wearing those same shitty 80s jeans that everyone else is wearing. Like, how would you fucking tell? (laughs) I just, Hal was a bizarre character to me. No, but like, especially like having him pull out that gun and then you never see it again. Yeah. It's like. There is there is a concept in in I I want to say it's, it's writing in general, but I think it's specifically theater writing. Mm. Is Chekhov's gun? It's if you show the gun, it had better go off by Act Three. Yeah, and like we were shown the gun, and the gun never <laughs> and went the off. The gun never went off. I know there was no. <laughs> we reason never saw for the it. gun again. Like <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, that was just kind of like a strange. I don't know if it was supposed to be like a red herring or if it was like, it just made it very confusing. That's why there are a lot of B movies. Yeah. That are, that would not by most standards be considered quote unquote good movies that I love a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's why this movie just like kind of misses a lot of the marks for me. Uh, And on top of it, it was just very slow moving. And there's a lot of like setup that is never explained. Like at one point, we're all kind of talking about how everyone found something in their room that was like significant to their backstory that like nobody else knew about. Mm -hmm. Like 
what's her name uh the the fucking old lady the, oh i don't remember that's her name. not an old lady i don't remember her name that's how that's how memorable she was oh jesus <laughs> now i have to try and and find her in the fucking uh oh it was nan nan her name that, was nan. Her, literally nan she's an yeah. old lady she <laughs> runs around in a fucking sweater it, it's the middle of the god everyone's in bathing suits and she's wearing a pullover it's like a, <laughs> nan come on the whole thing with nan and the baby it's yeah. like i think i'm i'm assuming we're supposed to infer that she had an abortion yeah no uh one of the other characters later on says something about an abortion or something yeah. i think it was hal actually but then there's the thing and it's like that was what cued me into oh all these people had something with their backstory that was like done to them in their in their private room yeah but we never go back to that but not even that like to anyone's yeah like Hal has the thing with the car crashes and Mm -hmm. they kind of hint at it but then like we never learn anything about Hal yeah doing anything with a car but even though it's hinted that he probably did yeah because at one point he says something like well everyone's been in a few car accidents and i think it's archie is like i haven't or chaz or whoever the fuck says it and it's like that was kind of hinting at the idea that there's a significant backstory to the fact that hal has been in a number of car accidents yeah especially knowing that the baby thing was playing for nan uh because she had had an abortion yeah so it's like, oh, these are all dark backstories that we're going to get clued into. And then none of them do. No. And what this is one of my favorite parts of the ending, actually, is when Muffy is explaining everything. And she goes, I am sorry that some of the clues I left in your rooms were taken a little too seriously. It's like you had a baby crying in a room with a girl <laughs> who, who, had an know, abortion. who you know had an abortion. Like... <laughs> like I'm sorry that some of the clues in the rooms were taken a little too serious. <laughs> like, like the fact that Nan then agrees to be part of this like giant charade that's happening is yeah. completely incredible to me. Like I would have decked her and walked away. Literally like, like socked her in the tent. Like I would I would have beat her about the fanny pack. I would just I, I, I absolutely would have wrecked her. <laughs> Um, but that's Muffy. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, she's an odd one. Yeah. Muffy and Buffy. Yes, Muffy and this, Buffy. This, uh, this really drove home the idea that I just can't stand anyone named Buffy. But, um, <laughs> unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Um, yeah, th- this whole thing was just kind of an odd charade. Did you find it to be like, an enjoyable one the first time i watched it i was so angry at the ending Mm -hmm. that like i turned off the movie before the the ending scene Mm -hmm. so that was new for me this time around (laughs) but like well and also a bit confusing that was kind of the thing like and even when she's up there explaining it and you can hear the writer like filling in plot holes like when she says and who could have expected the snake like okay but like because it I was, felt like, like it was supposed to be a trap yeah because it kind of felt like the snake was supposed to fucking be there yeah so like when you can hear them filling in little plot holes because they're like oh this doesn't work if it's mm-hmm. if it's not real and it's like 
I don't know. Even even this time I, I watched it, I was like, this this makes me angry. <laughs> like this ending makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely. It is definitely odd. And then the like after ending. Yeah. I was like, at first I didn't really understand. I was like, I was like, wait, she killed her. No, she, no, didn't, she didn't kill her. Yeah. And it's like, we're still going, like, what? I don't understand. We don't need this, like, yeah. second ending. No. It was kind of unnecessary. And I thought it was going to be something to do with the jack-in-the-box. I yeah. thought one of, I, I actually think it would have been a better ending if Nan had actually killed her. Yeah, no. Because it would have kind of, like, brought everything full circle to the fact mm-hmm. that, like, Muffy... <laughs> Muffy really did go too far with Nan. Yeah. And kind of created the killer that we see in April Fool's Day 2. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think that actually would have been an appropriate ending. Yes. No. And kind of, not scary, but Satisfying, scary leaning. sort of. Yeah. It would have made the whole thing fit a little better into the horror genre. Because yeah. if I'm being honest, this movie did not fit well in my mind into the horror genre. No, it's not even like it's not even a particularly good slasher movie. No. Like a... And at this point we had a lot of established slashers. We yeah. had Halloween, we had uh Friday the thirteenth, we had Nightmare. Yeah, this was one of those movies where because of Halloween, they just started making slasher movies around random days of the year. Mm-hmm. And April Fool's Day was was definitely one of those films, kind of like My Bloody Valentine, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But like, <laughs> all the violence has to happen off camera because you can't show them getting killed because they're not getting killed. Right. So it's not even a satisfying slasher movie because you don't see any of the violence. And that was, <laughs> like, as I was watching it, that was something I was really getting annoyed by. I was like, this is an 80s horror movie. Why are we doing Yeah, there all... should be buckets of blood. Yeah, why is all of the violence off screen? I was like, this isn't Clue. I'm, I'm not interested in a murder mystery. <laughs> like, I came here because this was kind of sold to me as a slasher. Yeah. And then you find out that it's because no one is actually getting slashed. And then you get a slasher moment at the end and it's not real. And it's yeah, like, it's not real. what the fuck? Like, what, what were we even doing? Who put this together? <laughs> well, I just don't understand. I found this movie to be really unsatisfying because, like I said, I'm I'm all for a bad horror movie. Yeah. But the reason you like a bad horror movie is that, like... It sticks to the script mm-hmm. and it doesn't deviate a lot. It just yeah. doesn't do it very well. Yeah. And this one just didn't do that. It was like playing was at kind of all over the place. It was all over the place, but in like the worst way. It wasn't, it was like it, it wanted to be inventive, but it wasn't. And it wanted to deceive you, but it didn't. And it's like, it just was really like, like who gives a shit? Especially about this heifer, uh, Muffy, <laughs> like, and and then all the shit, and and because she's established as kind of the prankster very early on when they all go to take a sip of their sparkling rosé or whatever the fuck yeah. she gives them, um, and I guess she put holes in the sides of the glass and they all spill it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, 
who who the fuck knows uh, another <laughs> very strange moment but um yeah i i found it to be really uh unsatisfying if i'm if i'm being honest um i also like like i said a lot of the characters were not terribly likable i like nikki i like skip mm mm-hmm. In a weird way, I like Archie. Okay. Kit is fine. <laughs> but it's like, I much prefer Amy Steele in Friday 2. I mean, that's fair. But on the other hand, in this one, she's wearing a tie for the second act, which is really hot. But it's not only a tie. She's like Diane Keaton. No, it, <coughs> it's it's still hot. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to understand this. I'm really not. So at least I'm living <laughs> up to expectations. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't really see what's so hot about that, but okay. It's fine. Uh, yeah. I liked Amy Steele's character in Friday too much better. I thought it was much better written, which is shocking because yeah. it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> but um, no, Ginny does make a bit more sense. Than Ginny makes a lot more sense. She's a much more endearing character. She's a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. She's a lot, more likable under the bed she does pee <laughs> under the bed listen there's strength and weakness <laughs> because she recovers from the pee and she, she gets does. away <laughs> she does <laughs> she kicks the chair out i know it's such a stupid thing but like i always i've always thought like thank god they didn't have her doing the rest of the final chase scene with like a big ass <laughs> pee stain <laughs> <laughs> like with Which, just wet jeans the rest of the fucking film and i know th- i'm pretty sure we talked about this when we talked about friday too but it's like did she take her pants off to pee herself what is this moment i'm just imagining jason being like what is rattling under the bed uh, did i hear a zipper <laughs> are those jean shorts <laughs> And somewhere Ken Olant is like, on it. (laughs) Fucking, he wears the shortest shorts in this movie. And it's like, I don't even think he's attractive. So it's like the most wasted short shorts. It's like, Mm -hmm. that was the beauty of the 80s. It's like, guys wore like crop tops and short shorts. And it's like, oh, finally, everyone's getting on board the gay train. But (laughs) it's all the like least attractive. It's like... Ken Olant, Nathan the fuckface, with a mullet, wearing short shorts. And it's like, who cares? Of all the people. Of all the people wearing short shorts in yeah, this movie. Yeah, and he has his shirt off a lot in this one. And it's like, nobody ca- He's not even a... He's not an attractive person. Sorry, Ken. <laughs> I know it's a rude thing to say, but I just don't find him terribly attractive. I mean, that's fine. Meanwhile, fucking Nikki yeah. is hanging out the goddamn window with her titties out. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you always managed to find a really pretty girl to wear nothing. <laughs> you couldn't find one guy to wear short shorts? No. <laughs> Had to be Ken Olant. <laughs> fucking Nathan. Uh, so I guess we've covered what we think of the ending. Yeah, <laughs> more or less, yes. I hated the ending of this movie. I really did not like it at all. I especially hated the whole thing with uh, Muffy and Nan. I almost called her Pam. I don't know why. She looks like a Pam. Another lesbian. Um, 
I didn't, I thought it was kind of weird. And it's like, well, why did she pretend that her throat had been slit? Yeah. If it hadn't, it, it just, again, strange. Um, so let's talk about quote unquote kills in yeah. this movie, yeah, shall we? Sounds good. Was there any that you liked? Um, Hal's is interesting, just mm. the way he's hanged to a certain extent. Like, it's it's not something I've seen in another movie. Yeah, I suppose that's Um, fair. And that is the one that I'm still sitting here going, I have no idea how the fuck they accomplished that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, A wire in his yeah, pants? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um... I th- I thought Archie's was was kind of interesting. Yeah, Archie's wasn't bad, although we don't know how he died. Yeah, so there's there's no indication. There's no indication it should have been a snake. Yeah, but it wasn't. I will say the most tense scene for me, mm-hmm. not that I, it was really that tense, but the most interesting <laughs> because at that point in the movie nothing had fucking happened was the scene with Nikki and Hal. In the well. In the well. Yeah. I thought that was fun and really lent itself to some exciting moments. Mm-hmm. But again, nothing happened. So it didn't really end up mattering. Uh, yeah. And I'm still sitting here going like, did she have an entire Nan doll or was Nan hanging out in the well? Just <laughs> waiting for that. Underwater, nonetheless. <laughs> like Nan had to be really fucking committed to I- do that. <laughs> Nan is like a, a Viet he's like she's like a Viet Cong. She has like a reed up into the uh, by the surface of the water. Um either that or she'd been taking swimming lessons from Michael Phelps. She could just hold her breath for like 42 minutes. Um Yeah, I don't know. I, I did find that moment again to be the most uh entertaining, especially like I said, I think because of Nikki, I really liked that actress. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. It is uh, Deborah Goodrich, according to IMDb. Uh, I really like Deborah Goodrich. I think she's a really talented actor. And she made the character really likable for me. Although she had an odd accent. She did have kind of a It always accent. felt a little bit like she was trying not to slip into British. <laughs> Didn't it? Like Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Proper copper coffee pot. Um, yeah, I, I did really like Nikki. I did think the well scene had some like ring vibes, like yeah. could have been Samara, could have been heads in a bath. Who knows? No. And it's, it's one of those things that like in any other movie, Nikki would have drowned yeah. <laughs> or like, or been or pulled under been or pulled been under stabbed or, or something. something. Something bad would have happened to Nikki beyond yeah. running into a couple couple rubber floating heads. Yeah. There would have been eels in the well. Or, yeah. There, or there would have been something. Rodents of unusual size. Yes. <laughs> but that's the other thing. It's like, it's like she had to sabotage the bucket. Like she had to know that one of them was going to climb down that ladder and fall. I know. Well, she, maybe she loosened the the rung. The but rung. Then she had to know that someone was going to get them out. Like, what if Hal had just walked away? <laughs> like she accidentally actually killed somebody. She killed. But like, I mean, same thing with the snake. It's like yeah. everyone was in a position in this movie, so to speak, uh, where they could have feasibly died from these little pranks. Yeah. And it's like Muffy's an asshole. Seriously. Like, this is like jackass to the nth degree I'm, I'm like buffy 
having a friend like Muffy is like having a friend who is also a serial killer. I'm like, who needs this in your friend group? She's the, I mean, I she can't read any one. of the social cues. <laughs> no. Everyone's like, I played a prank. I poured wine on, on so-and-so's kerchief. And Muffy's like, I played a prank. I stabbed your mother 47 <laughs> times. And it's like, no, Muffy, that's not how this works. <laughs> cut the ship, Fred. Um, Muffy is definitely the cut the ship, Fred, friend. Um, yeah, Muffy was a lot to handle for me in this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, and like the little clues about Buffy and... Buffy and Muffy. And and all that other crap. And it's like... And I was like, Jesus. Buffy and Muffy. First of all, we know why she's a psychopath. Because if, if her parents named them Buffy and Muffy, they were psychotic too. <laughs> Anyone who would name two twin girls Buffy and Muffy. Yeah. No. First of all, you are you might as well just deliver them straight to Marie's crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Second... Which is, by the way, a very famous lesbian bar in New York City. Um, Like, the only name more lesbianic than Muffy is Buffy. (laughs) Unless you look like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Which Nikki kind of did, did you notice? A little bit, yeah. She she looks a little like Sarah Michelle Gellar. A little bit like Sarah Michelle Gellar. That was one of my notes. (laughs) I'm happy for it. (laughs) I did it. Nailed it. Um... Yeah, I I don't know the the whole Buffy and Muffy thing really kind of yeah, and it's like so much depended on like Amy Steele and Ken Olant like finding those clues and the course it like yeah, it's just the whole thing on its face is just so improbable that when you find out what happened, you you do you get angry at the rest <laughs> of the it's like <laughs> yeah, and some of the kills are like. More ridiculous than you can even handle. Like, Chaz getting murdered by being stabbed in the dick. Yeah. Like, and there wasn't even like a lot of blood. Not a lot of blood. But he died of internal dick bleeding. I don't understand. But the thing is that, like, for Nikki's kill, we never see Nikki's body. It's just a big splash of blood. Like, how are they even supposed to know that that was Nikki? It could have just been Chaz's dick blood. Like we- it's, it's Chaz's dick blood. It just spells Chaz on the wall. They're like, not the dick blood. And Dick Warlock is like, what? And they're like, not you, Dick. Um, yeah, I don't know what. To Somewhere make. there's a stuntman named Dick Blood. Dick Blood. <laughs> And he and Dick Warlock regularly have like MMA style fights to see who's the big, the bigger dick. <laughs> the return of the return of Dick, dick Warlock. Warlock. That is absolutely what this is called now. I hope you know. For one joke. <laughs> Not even a terribly good one, if I I'm know. being honest. But I'm I'm here for it. The return of the return of Dick Warlock. <laughs> I kind of wish he, he was in this, in movie. this movie. I know. If only that would have been the only saving grace if Muffy had been, been played Dick by Warlock. Dick Warlock. <laughs> Which would have been a complete conflict of interest. You can't have a woman named Muffy played by Dick Warlock. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh, 
No one can resist the charms of the slutty co-ed Charmaine LaRue. <laughs> That's from 30 Rock. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do wish Dick Warlock was in this movie. It would have been the only saving grace. I, is there any saving grace in this movie for you? Amy Steele. That's pretty much it. <laughs> this is like one of three movies she made. So it's like... Yeah, you know, I, and I'm kind of surprised because I like Amy Steele. I think she's a pretty like good actress. Too. Yeah, no, I think she's very good. And like, like she's perfectly attractive mm. for the 80s, which which generally leads to work in Scream Queendom. Like, yeah. kind of all you have to do is be pretty and be able to read your lines. So, like, <laughs> and even then, as long as you can repeat them, you don't even yeah, need to read them. Even if you need someone to dictate them to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, she doesn't. I, I mean, I'm looking at her her IMDb and it's like, she really doesn't have. She's done a lot of work, but not a lot of it is terribly recognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this and Friday are probably her most recognizable uh, work. Hands down. She did appear in the 1991 remake of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the TV huh. movie. Yeah, Really? She did. She played Connie Trotter. <laughs> <laughs> and who the fuck knew? Uh, she was on Home Improvement for at least one episode. Uh, but that's really, I mean... You're looking at the last, the the most, I don't want to say most recent. There's no date on it. I don't know when it was made. The most, the top most credit on her IMDb that does not have a date, so I don't know when it came out, is that she played Ginny in an untitled Friday the 13th fan film. <laughs> and I'm I like, mean, good for her. Good for her, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Well, good for the guy who wrote the fan film. Yeah, that's what it really comes down to. <laughs> she did appear on Guiding Light. I guess that's that's something to be said. That was a, a popular soap opera. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, I would I would love to see her in more stuff. I wonder how old she is now. I'm not sure. I mean, like she kind of looks to be in her maybe her early twenties in nineteen eighty six. So she was born on May third. Which is right around Bob and Kevin's birthday. It is. 1960. Huh. So she would be 61 this year. Yep. She'll be 61 on May 3rd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is kind of shocking. Why? I I, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize that seems so... uh, She seems so, like, young to me still. (laughs) I think it's because we never never saw her get older. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Am I forgetting anything? Well, did you have a saving grace in this film? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I liked Skip. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Archie. I, I would say the saving grace for me is probably that there is some like affectionate platonic male love <laughs> in in that it is like kind of teasing at homosexuality but is not overtly homophobic you know what i mean yeah i do like two straight guys who are joking about being gay together but like 
It's almost sweet. It's almost sweet. And I, I don't want to say that the, the crux of the joke is not in some way homophobic, but it's like, it's not that offensive to me. No. I don't know. I guess that's that's my saving grace okay. for this movie. <laughs> the not quite homophobia. <laughs> the inoffensive homophobia. Inoffensive homophobia. I guess that's how you would describe it. Like I said, I know so many straight guys who like can play in this way and it's not homophobic. Mm-hmm. That it's like the joke is that they're clearly not gay, but that they don't mind. Yeah having this friend or these friends that they are like platonically in love with. <laughs> that was kind of how the joke read Comfortable to me. Comfortable with their heterosexuality. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that. I know, especially, I mean, I've worked in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess that was the saving grace for me. That like, there was never a moment in this, because in a lot of 80s films, there are a lot of moments where you have to kind of stick your fingers in your ears and be like, la, 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 sleepaway camp. La, 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 la. <laughs> Um, and that never happened in this movie for me. I was like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll give it a a D plus for that. (laughs) No pun intended. Um, yeah, I think that's my saving grace. Okay. If you guys have, uh, any saving graces about this movie, please let us know. We'd love to hear what they are because, uh, we certainly had some trouble. What? Didn't we have a listener question? Oh, we did have a listener question. Uh, I, I and I almost I almost forgot it. I'm so so sorry. Uh, we have a question from Saraline. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Saraline. Uh, it's been a while, but we did miss you. Saraline wrote in and it said, "This is." Uh, she wrote in because uh, we were doing. April Fool's Day. And she said, have Pissy and Sam seen the absolute mind-bending shit show that is the 2008 (laughs) April Fool's remake, the worst film ever made in all bold? (laughs) Um, No. Yes. And I think after this, I think it might stay that way. (laughs) Um, I have seen the 2008 remake. Did they try to make it serious? Uh, yeah, they did. It's kind of, it's honestly more a ripoff of I Know What You Did Last Summer than it is a remake of April Fool's Day. Hmm. Um, it is terrible. I am going to disagree with Sarah Lyne on one point, though. The Happening is the worst movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, mean, I have seen it and it is burned into my memory banks and I can't unsee it ever. So Is it bad enough <laughs> that I would enjoy watching it? Maybe if you were like really drunk and were feeling kind of mean and just wanted an outlet for that. That's basically me every day. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk and mean. You just put that you might you could bottle that and sell it as pissy miles water. Um yeah, I I, I'm afraid to say I might give it a shot. I (laughs) I hesitate to inflict that film on another person. Sarah, I'm going to watch it just so I can write to you and let you know exactly what I think of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to think of that. I will say for anyone who has not seen April Fool's Day, the original 1986 film, it is available. Um, it is free to stream on Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it today and uh you can watch it too and let us know what you think i'd obviously love to hear what your thoughts are and 
that I think that's it for April Fool's Day. Did I miss anything? Nope, I think we're good. You're like, I am absolutely ready to let go of this. Um yeah, I think I think that's I'm putting the kibosh on, on April Fool's Day this time. But let us know what you think. We would obviously love to hear your thoughts and your criticisms of this hellish movie. Uh, so that's it for us for now. As always, we will be back on Monday with a new mini-sode on Patreon, patreon.com slash myspookygayfamily, and a new main episode next Thursday, a week from today. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from April Fool's Day, distributed by Paramount Pictures 1986. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel.